0: All right. Good morning, church. Y'all can be seated. Awesome. Well, I am absolutely delighted to be here. I love to share the Word of God. Pray that you will be encouraged and inspired to live more courageously this summer. Um, And as Joe said, I do lead Unbound now, which is our anti-human trafficking organization, and we are in 10 different locations, and we're planting a new work in Poland for attacking the trafficking in Eastern Europe. So super excited about that. Please pray for us and pray for our teams. They're doing incredible work. But this morning, I'm going to be sharing the word about living courageously and our key scripture this morning is from Joshua 1 9 and the scripture says have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged anybody ever discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go And I want to talk to you about living courageously, and specifically about living courageously this summer. I love the seasons. I think each season has different things that we can experience. But summers have always been really special. To me, they're a time to slow down a little bit, to kind of recalibrate, and a time to reflect, get extra time with the Lord, hopefully extra time with family and loved ones that we've missed in the busyness of our normal year. And for all of us, I think 2020, 2021 was an incredibly challenging time. Um, Not only for us individually, but for our churches and even just across the world. But hopefully your 2022, you're getting your sea legs under you like some people say, getting a little more stabilized, things are opening back up, life's beginning to get back to normal. But some of you, maybe this long last season um, may have been particularly difficult. Maybe you've experienced losses or health challenges or loss of a relationship or even loved ones. And you've experienced failure or pain of some sort, and that can linger in our lives and kind of drag us down. And so, that's what we want to talk about is kind of letting go of those things to embrace this next season. But even if you've had a great year, um, there's sometimes we just need to let some things go to go to the next level of what's ahead. Have you ever thought it'll never be that good again? Like you had a job that you absolutely loved and for some reason you transitioned and you're like, I don't think I'll ever have a job that I will love that much. Or maybe you had a fabulous boyfriend, and something happened, you're not there anymore, and you're like, I don't know if I'll ever meet anyone so fabulous. Anybody ever thought that? It just isn't gonna be as good as it was. Um, I think this last season, about two years ago, we had a great season, and I found myself thinking that without being aware of it. We had three daughters get married in under two years. And it was just boom, boom, boom. And it was such an exciting season. Just absolutely adore our son-in-laws. And for having all girls in the family, getting these boys was just really, really fun. And I realized going into that next year that I was subconsciously thinking, oh, this last season was so wonderful. It's just not gonna be that good this next year. And I started examining my thoughts. And it was like I thought that there's only so much good to go around and we had this bucket of good, and somehow we had used it all up that last year, and so there was not enough to go around. Have you ever thought like that? Maybe you weren't aware of it like myself, but I thought, you know what, that's crazy thinking. That's not God thinking. God says that he moves us from glory to glory. That scripture's in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it says, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. And that word glory in the Bible describes splendor, holiness, the majesty of God. So glory in this sense is associated with our intimacy with God, with God's presence. And so he is with us always, and it's not dependent on circumstances. So I want to challenge us to live courageously this summer, to adjust ourselves so that we can believe big again because God is in the business of transforming us and he wants to move us from glory to glory. If you've experienced significant loss or pain this last year, sometimes it can be difficult to kind of force ourselves to reflect and let go of some things. And fear and unbelief and discouragement can taint our expectations for the future. Do you understand what I'm saying? It just kind of lingers there and we have to push pause sometimes and really process that with the Lord. Deuteronomy 6.23 I think is super encouraging. It says he brought us out that he might bring us in. God is in the business of bringing us out of the things that challenge our lives and he wants to bring us in to new things this summer. I wanna look at the story of Joshua and Moses from the book of Joshua chapter one. And I think it's a good choice as we prepare to live courageously this summer, because Joshua transitioned the people of God from 40 years of wandering. Can you just imagine 40 years of discouragement, 40 years of promises of getting into the promised land unfulfilled, 40 years of the same old, same old every day going around in a circle and not getting to where you want to go. And yet... We know from the word of God, Joshua was able to bring them out and to bring them in. What we know is that Joshua was with Moses for 40 years as his servant and his apprentice. So that meant he was right beside Moses everywhere he went, serving him, listening, watching, participating right by his side. This allowed Joshua a close-up view to witness God's mighty acts. The parting of the Red Sea, the destruction of the Egyptian army by a miraculous drowning, the provision of manna every day, or the quail coming down, or water from a rock. Can you imagine that watered two million people? I mean, that is pretty phenomenal, and Joshua's right there watching it. You can learn a lot from walking with someone for 40 years that close up and personal. And a question I was pondering as I was reading over my notes and thinking about how they walked together for 40 years. I mean, you would know their nuances, their strengths, their weaknesses. And I thought, who are you walking with that inspires you to live courageously like Joshua had Moses? Do you have people in your life like that? Marty and I have been married for 34 years this year, and I know him pretty well. You learn a lot about someone in 34 years. I know how he likes his coffee in the morning. I know how he sleeps with a pillow over his head. I know that he doesn't like a top sheet and absolutely drives me crazy. I know that he likes to watch this man on YouTube very frequently that just eats a ton of food does anyone know what I'm talking about I think it is so bizarre and he absolutely thinks it's hysterical our good friends know him too they know him to have a wonderful sense of humor to be joyful all the time they know that he's not that good at golf but that he absolutely is the best at making up games that he loves children and does children's church every week so he wouldn't come with me today because he would miss his fifth grade boys He's absolutely amazing, just got back from kids camp. When I'm praying and trying to seek God about the vision for the nations and getting laborers out there to rescue trafficking victims, he literally dreams about games for kids. I mean, we couldn't be more different. But our friends know about what his quirks are and his strengths are, because when you get up close to someone, you know. They know that Marty and I fight over the air condition and have for 34 years. He likes it hot, I like it cold. And they know that his feet are well, let's just say, not particularly pretty. If you wanna know the details, ask me later. He's got kinda funky feet. Anyway, Joshua knew Moses well, walking with him for 40 years. And so I wanna look at what we can learn from this relationship. And the three things that I think we can learn that Joshua observed in Moses' life was his imperfections, his intercession, and intimacy. And so these are the three I's, imperfections, intercession, and intimacy. I believe if we can accept our imperfections, give ourselves to a deeper place of intimacy with God and with others, and learn how to be an intercessor then we will live out an incredibly courageous summer and come into all God has for us. Have you ever had that experience that amplified your imperfections? Maybe your imperfections as a friend or as an employee, as a daughter, or how about a parent? I've had a few of those. And I'll share one of those with you today. I was a pharmaceutical rep um, for a few years and one um, summer we had a babysitter for the kids and I had a break so I ran by the house and went in and the babysitter was sitting on the couch. And I was like, hey, where are the girls? I mean, I had four girls in under five years, you know, so that's that's a lot of trouble when you're five to ten years old, you know. And, uh, and she said, oh, they're in the back room. And so I'm like, okay. So I go in the back room, and just before I open the playroom door, I hear Lindsay scream, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I walk in, and I discover that Jessica is sitting on Lindsay, and Brooke is sitting on Anna, and she's fixing to pierce her ears. I had greatly underestimated the movie movie. Maybe y'all saw it, the parent trap. If you haven't seen it, they they numb another little girl's ears with ice. Check. The girls had done that. They marked the whole, you know, where they were gonna put the earring. Check, they had done that. And thank goodness I got her just before she was going to pierce her ear. Can you imagine? Well, lots of imperfections in this story. I imperfectly underestimated the application of a movie to real life. And the babysitter greatly underestimated how long you can leave the girls alone before they could get into some serious trouble. And obviously, there were great imperfections of the big sisters taking care of the little sisters. The point is we all mess up. We all are flawed humans, but I think we way allow the enemy to amplify our imperfections and let it work to defeat us. We allow a recording to run through our minds too often that we have failed, that we don't measure up the shoulda, coulda, woulda's of life, that it's my fault that these bad things are happening, or we catastrophize what we think the future will hold. Does anyone ever do that? You really have to get a hold of your heart and mind or you can go down a rabbit trail of worst case scenario and that can produce so much anxiety in our heart and mind. Sometimes those bombardments against our mind can be debilitating. Sometimes it can wake us up in the middle of the night. But I wanna propose to us that we get a hold of that and that we don't let it come with us into this summer that we grow in minimizing that inner critic so we can live courageously this summer and enter into all that he has for us. So we're gonna look at Moses and first we're gonna look at his imperfections. We mow him to be a great man of God. He was a tremendous leader. Some would argue he was the best leader in the Old Testament leading two million people. This is a phenomenal feat. But he had many deficiencies, and how he overcame these to become a profound, intimate friend of God and to lead this people is tremendous. We know that Moses was a Hebrew, that he was raised by an Egyptian stepmom, really. And we can imagine that as he sat at the dinner table and he had his brothers and sisters there, that he had that inner critic voice of I don't feel like I really belong here. Why do I have this big nose and theirs is small and cute? You know, why when I'm in the classes do I not feel as smart as everyone there? So many of those scenarios can go through our head. And if I asked you to be honest and to raise your hand if you've ever caught that that voice in your head that says, I don't feel like I really fit, I think most of us would agree we hear those voices. Sometimes we can hear things like, I'm an introvert in an extrovert world. Or, I'm in a woman full of meetings with all men or I'm a stay-at-home mom in the midst of working moms. Whatever the messages are, what it communicates to our inner man is there's something wrong with us and that we don't quite fit in. The commentary of self-hating can grow so strong if we don't get a hold of it and be harmful to who Jesus is in us and what he wants to do through us. And so I wanna challenge us to take those thoughts captive to watch for them and to not let them define who we are. Moses grows up in this Egyptian household as a young adult and he ends up killing an Egyptian and burying him in the sand. So eventually this causes him to run away and he becomes a wanderer for 40 years. The imperfections, he's a murderer, he's a runner, he's full of insecurities and fear. And I'm sure he thought, I've got a great Egyptian education, and I am way underpaid as a shepherd. Anybody ever been in those scenarios? Absolutely. On and on, these voices could have been in his head over all those years. But God, God speaks through him through a bush that flamed but didn't burn up. God does not address all of his imperfections, but instead he gives them an assignment. I love that, and that's been my experience with God. He doesn't amplify all our weaknesses, it's the enemy that's the accuser of the brethren. God is so much more encouraging to us. He tells him to lead his people out of slavery, and Moses tells him, I can't possibly do that. I stutter. So more imperfections, more excuses of why he doesn't measure up. And they're true. Moses is imperfect, but his imperfection does not move God. God knows our weaknesses and even our sin, but God chose us like he chose Moses. And he basically tells him, go in your imperfect self and go help the people. I love that. And that, I bank on that, because sometimes I can look at my own skills, what needs to be done to reach more people in human trafficking, and think, Lord, I am not smart enough for this. But God is faithful, and when he calls, he equips. And he's so faithful, he brings much smarter people than me to help me. (laughs) Amen for brothers and sisters, right? Well, the message is true. It's not about you. It's about the God in you. I believe Moses overcame his insecurity and his imperfections through humility. Everybody say humility. Humility. I don't think he had any confidence in his flesh. If you look at what he rehearsed in his excuses to the Lord. But he did gain great confidence in God in him and through him. Numbers twelve three says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow. I don't think humility is groveling in front of others thinking that everyone is better than ourselves. I think that biblical humility is freedom from pride and arrogance. It's knowing that we are inadequate without Jesus but knowing who we are in Jesus. In other words, it's being comfortable with who we are in our weaknesses and knowing that God is so much bigger. The picture of humility in the Bible is weak people that know a strong God, and we can do that. Moses was bold, an incredible leader of millions, confident, courageous, He faced Pharaoh over and over again, unflinchingly. He received the Ten Commandments for the people. He authored the five books of the Bible. He had great faith and demonstrated many miracles, and he had great intimacy with God. The scripture says that Moses died when he was 120 years old, and his eyes were not weak and his strength had not left. He was the picture of, Of strength clothed in authentic humility. This mighty man of God was imperfect but he was so used of our king. As we back up from our main scripture Joshua 1 9 to verse 2 we read five very powerful words, Moses my servant is dead. It's a key scripture And we're going to talk about what that means. The people of Israel are going through a huge transition. The man of God they had looked up to and had led them is now gone. They mourned for a month, but then God comes on the scene and speaks to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. We're going to read Joshua 1, 1 through 9, and it'll be on the screen. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Are y'all hearing that? Over and over. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And I just want to speak that over you. Whatever you're going through, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. So we see now that Joshua would lead the people. Moses is dead. There are some things in our life that have to come to a close. And we need to accept that change does not always mean subtraction. But rather, in God, there is always increased possibilities. It is human nature to cling to what is familiar and not want to transition to the next thing or not want to let go of something that needs to die or even has died. But God wants us to arise and cross over to the new thing he has for us. No matter what your age, what your gender, your education, your failures or your lack, God has good in store for you. He promises us that. He knows everything about us and yet he says that he has our future. He knows the end from the beginning, that his plans for us are good. Are we willing to reflect and respond properly in faith and obedience to God's transitions in our lives and to receive all he has for us. Moses, my servant, is dead. I think living courageously, we may have to let some things go. Let go of that inner critic and disqualifying ourselves and our imperfections would be one of them as well. So the second thing we learn from Moses is intercession. He was a great prophet and a leader, but he was an intercessor. And don't let that word intercessor, like, spook you out. It just means that he prayed. And we can all do that. Exodus 33, 7, the scripture tells us, Moses spoke with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Over and over again, we see Moses praying, just speaking to God face-to-face, sharing about all the struggles, getting direction, really building that intimacy of sharing his life with God. Verse thirty three seventeen, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. This glimpse into Moses' prayer life shows us the nearness that he had with God. His prayer life is a model for us. One we know that Joshua was right next to Moses during all of this time. So Joshua was watching Moses' prayer life. And it was amazing. There were all kinds of opportunities that Joshua got to watch him. He was right there with him when he got the 10 commandments. We don't hear about that often, but he was right there. There were many times that Moses interceded to actually change the mind of God. When the Ten Commandments were given, you know the story, the Israelites rebelled and they built a golden calf, an idol, and didn't want to worship the one and true God. And God wanted to obliterate them, but Moses stood in the gap and God turned his hand and did not kill them all off. We know when his sister, Miriam, went into rebellion and got leprosy, Moses prayed for her and she was healed. Over and over again, Moses intervened. So many times, and Joshua was watching that. I think it's really important for us to note that he was really busy leading two million people, but he was not too busy to pray, and he didn't delegate it To someone else. He did it himself and he expected God to answer. He had such intimacy with God, he knew if he would stand in the gap, God was so merciful he would turn his hand away from that. And I was just thinking, what would our prayer life look like if this summer we all increased it, even ten percent? I mean, if you look around this room and everybody raises their prayer life, 10% to pray for the church, to pray for one another, to pray for our families, to pray for the presence of God to lead us, that would be a tremendous change for us. James five sixteen it says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In the New Living Translation it says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Sometimes we just get weary and we stop praying but I think this summer is a great time to stir ourselves back up and up our prayer life just like Moses. In Moses we know that he had a tent that he met daily with God and he interceded for others, as we discussed, and he wouldn't go on without his date, without meeting with God. So I wanna challenge you, do you have a meeting place? Do you have a set time, like Moses did? Where can we increase our intercession? We can pray over our families, teachers can pray over their students business people can pray over our employees or we can pray for our coworkers. we can pray for our church leaders y'all can pray for unbound there's so many things that we can pray about and it moves things it really matters did you know the average commute time in dallas is 26.8 minutes so you could turn off the radio and that'd be a good prayer time. And that's not including if some of you have to drive to Plano or Rockwall or Fort Worth, But I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. So the three I's, imperfections, intercession, and intimacy. The scripture tells us a cloud of God's presence would come into the tent when Moses prayed. Can you even imagine? That intimacy that Moses cultivated, that he welcomed the presence of God so much, there was a manifest presence of God's glory in that place. And yet, Moses asked for more and cried out to God and said, show me your glory. And when I read this, I'm just thinking, you know, if I had a cloud show up in my prayer time, I don't know that I'd be asking for more. But Moses knew there was so much more of God that he wanted to know, and he was never satisfied. The Hebrew word for glory is kavod, and it means weighty, a weighty presence. And if you think about Joshua being the apprentice of Moses and being there, Joshua is right there. And if you look for the insights from the word of God, it is so interesting because it describes how Joshua, after Moses would leave, he lingered in the tent. Some scripture says he would not leave. Joshua cultivated his own relationship with God and his prayer and wanted to be in the presence of God. He didn't rely on Moses. He would linger there and not leave. And that just reminds me how much do I push in to the presence of God? Because the Israelites, if you read the opposite, the Israelites backed away. They were intimidated by that presence. They were satisfied with Moses praying. They allowed a distance to be there. And if we don't watch ourselves, we let things come in our heart that can distance ourselves from prayer or from the place of God or from gathering with his people or even from other people in our life. But not Joshua. He pressed in. This kind of courage that we see in Moses and in Joshua didn't just happen. Moses was not the courageous leader on the, in the beginning, just like we saw. Joshua wasn't either, but when they cultivated that intimacy with God in his presence, God made them courageous. Do you have um, a relationship in your life that maybe there's a little distance? you know that happens with us in different relationships. It can be a coworker, it can be a family member, sometimes it can be our adult children, or maybe you with your parents, you know, just for whatever reason, there's distance in our relationships that can happen. And what we want in relationship is to be comfortable, to be able to hang out, to be able to share hearts, to not have to be self-preserving, but to just be authentic in the presence of our loved ones. But this kind of intimacy takes a lot of work. And I'm thinking, you know, if Joshua was with Moses 40 years, I would imagine he got his feelings hurt a few times. I would imagine he observed some behaviors in Moses that wasn't perfect, that was offensive, that was frustrating, but somehow for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of obeying God and for the people, they pushed through and they made it to that great place and i think we have a lot to learn about restoring relationships and making peace as far as it is with all people so that we can walk in this courageous place in relationships so that takes a lot of work sometimes i think especially coming off of covid it's really easy to distance ourselves from the body I mean, who doesn't want to keep their PJs on and their coffee and not get dressed up and go to church, you know? If it is all about you sitting at home with your feet propped up with your coffee, works. But we need the body. We need life on life. Obviously, I'm glad that we've discovered how to do that remote. It meets so many needs, and we travel, and people go through sicknesses. It's a good thing to have. But... We want to stir ourselves up and be a part of the body, be in relationships, find a place to serve. And that makes us have to ever overcome some of our distancing maneuvers that maybe we've picked up over the last couple of years that need to be examined going into the summer. Intimacy is what we call experience of really knowing and being known by another. And as I said, I think our culture has put some things in place that can make that really difficult. And if we're not proactive, then we can distance ourselves from the people of God and from one another. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There is a great reward of seeking God and walking in intimacy with him. And there's a great reward for us strengthening the body of Christ when we come into intimacy with one another. Have you ever come into the mall and you were overcome by this amazing smell of cinnamon and bread? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Who is it? Auntie Anne's. That's right. Those Auntie Anne's freshly baked soft pretzels. Amazing small town farmer's market business that became a global company with over 1,500 stores and 370 million in sales. The owner's story is not what you might expect. Anne Beeler was raised in an Amish community and she only finished school through the ninth grade she married her husband at 19 and she had two children but unfortunately one of her little girls was run over and killed by a tractor by her own sister super painful time and the parents went into a private fathomless grief they drifted apart and lived in intense pain Anne sought counseling and her Amish community permitted her to see a counselor outside of the Amish people. Unfortunately, that counselor abused, controlled, and manipulated Anne in her grief for six years. Anne went down into a deep spiral of depression and hopelessness and finally, when she weighed 92 pounds, and at the urging of her husband, she came out with everything that was happening at the hands of this counselor. Her husband was able to press into God, and they pressed charges, and he lost his license. He started praying for his wife like he never had before. She, he found a church community, much like our Antioch churches, where they come and they get involved in one another's life. They had small group community and loved them to greater health between them as a couple, restoring their relationship with God and with one another. Anne had a lot of tracks that were in her mind about how God couldn't possibly use her because of her sin, because of what had transpired, and that she just believed that she could never be used. But she came out of that, with a growing intimacy with God and with the community. Her husband was a mechanic, but he desired to become a counselor so that he could help others be restored the way God had restored them. And Anne was so grateful for her husband that he said, she said, I'll go to work and I'll support the family. You pursue the degrees to make this happen. And she heard about an Amish couple that had a small business of pretzels, pizza, and ice cream that they were selling for $6,000. Well, 35 years ago, that seemed like a ton of money. And so they went to his parents. They were allowed to borrow that money and bought that little business that was just at a farmer's market. They said that pretzels were not very good but her husband was able to tweak the recipe and it became outstanding and as we know, they are amazing in all the malls across America and beyond. Anne now travels and tells her story about how great God's forgiveness and restoration is. She brags about her husband, how in the midst of his deep pain, he went to God and cultivated such intimacy that he could receive that healing, not only for himself, but for his spouse, and then found a community that would love them and accept them right where they are. An amazing story through intercession and intimacy that has touched so many lives. I like this picture of them because they look so happy Sometimes we see a great business, we love the great pretzels, we even see this couple, and you never know their story. The truth is, we all walk with a limp. We all go through struggles, we all go through challenges. Most of us suffer some kind of failure, but Jesus is so kind and so merciful. Don't let that make you pull away from God or pull away from the body because he has so much more in store for us. I believe if we can accept our imperfections, give ourselves to a deeper place of intercession, and commit to greater intimacy with God and with others, then we can live the most courageous life that he has for us. So would y'all stand? I want to welcome the prayer ministers to come to the front. Allow God to speak to us wherever you are. So that you can give up what you need to give up so that you can live the life of courage that God wants us to. Amen. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we know in a room this size that you are speaking to us because you're so kind and you're so merciful. Father, I pray that each person here would hear something from heaven that moves them into a greater place of intimacy with you. Father, I pray if there's any restoration of relationship that you would speak now and they would courageously come forward to pray with someone saying, this is my next action step. This is what I need to do to live out this life in God. Father, I pray if you are calling the people to... bigger place to make space for you in their personal devotional life, their personal prayer life. Maybe they've let some things go and have been distracted. God, would today be a new day? Would this summer be a wonderful summer of recalibration to get our spiritual life on to the way you have for us? And, Father, I don't know what courageous assignments you have for the people sitting here, but, Father, would you deposit it? Would they receive it? And would they believe big in the name of Jesus. Amen.